This ain't your Pawpaw's Week 8 game. The New Orleans Saints season hangs in the balance beginning with their matchup against the Indianapolis Colts. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome in to another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, to all your everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe and follow always for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss the latest episodes. And if you want to keep the conversation going one-on-one with me, take part in our exclusive film studies, Q&As, early access, and much more, you can head over and become a Locked on Saints insider by going to joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Saints today to join a community I would love for you to be a part of. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson. Nola on your favorite social media, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the Media Saints News Network, Tuesdays in the Locked on NFL podcast, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the easiest and most fun way to play daily fantasy sports. Head over to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Enter promo code low, all lowercase locked on NFL so that you can get a first deposit match up to $100. It is our In Case You Missed It episode today, getting you caught up with the five biggest takes from the week. And then if you want to go and check out the full conversation, you can head back to the episodes. I'll let you know which day each point comes from. We're going to take a look at getting on the same page and how it's imperative for the New Orleans Saints' success moving forward. Will simplifying the offense assist the New Orleans Saints' offense in getting back on its feet? But first, the Saints' season simply hangs in the balance this week against the Indianapolis Colts, or at least it begins the stretch of that, right? Look, the Saints have a winnable three-game stretch here. The Indianapolis Colts on the road, the Chicago Bears back at home, and then the mini Min- mini, I almost said the Minneapolis Vikings, the Minnesota Vikings in Minneapolis. Um, if the Saints can win all three of those games, they're back on track. They're six and four going into the bye week. They're looking good. Can they do that? Whole other conversation. But they need to start. And it's got to start this week against the Indianapolis Colts. It kind of feels like if it's a loss in Indy that the season feels lost right at that point. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers just fell to the Buffalo Bills after losing last week to the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons are going up against the Tennessee Titans this week. Uh, the Saints really have an opportunity, if the Falcons lose, to tie up for first place in the NFC South. Effectively, they would have second place because they are 1-1 one and one in their division, while the Atlanta Falcons are 2-0 and oh in their division. Uh, but it would give the New Orleans Saints a common, uh, common opponent you know, step up because the Saints did beat the Titans. Uh, so... Depending upon how tiebreakers and stuff like that work later on, that could be big for the New Orleans Saints. But the Saints don't want to kind of be the team that is going, well, we're just one win outside the, you know, one game outside of first place in the division or whatever. They they don't like that. They're not operating against the standings. They're not really operating against the teams they're playing against. They're operating against their own standard. They feel that they should be much better. So I think that what you're looking for is for the Saints to prove improvement against the Indianapolis Colts. They should prove unification. Uh, And when I say unification, I don't mean that in like a big gaudy way. I just mean in terms of like cohesion, continuity, not cohesion, continuity, cohesion, communication issues, getting all those things fixed, right? They're a unified front as a football team. 
And then they need to prove their consistency beyond Indianapolis as well. Because like we've said before, the Saints have a really bad habit of kind of going up and down, up and down, up and down. We kind of broke this down in, uh, well, we've talked about this a couple of times. We've talked about um, the, the fact that the season is really important for them. But on Wednesday's episode, we looked at the Saints record from last year to where they won their opening two games and they lost the two game, next two games. They won a game, then they lost three games and they won a game and they lost two games, all that. And then so far this season, they won two games or actually, sorry, last year, they didn't, lose, they didn't win the first two games, but they won one game, then lost to won one game, lost to kind of up and down, up and down, up and down. And we're seeing that same trajectory so far for New Orleans. They won their first two, lost their second two, won one, then have lost the two since then. So don't go out there and win this game to just turn around and lose the next two and continue to kind of do that whole roller coaster uh, of, of a situation. So I think you're looking for the Saints to prove that they have improved, despite not making many changes at all. Uh, they've done some things to kind of introduce some new concepts and and things like that, but they haven't made any staff changes. We're going to be breaking that down and highlighting that here in just a little bit. But now they have to prove that they've improved elsewise, right? And and there's two places for that. A couple of places. Actually, it's really all three phases for that, right? I mean, you want to see the New Orleans Saints offense click, which we haven't seen really yet so far this season. Outside of, you can make an argument against the New England Patriots, right? In that game that you saw things click, but perhaps the time you really saw this New Orleans Saints offense look at its best was in the last quarter and a half against the Jacksonville Jaguars when they were in that hurry up, up tempo situation, which isn't going to carry them forward, but it gives them some ideas of what's working, what doesn't work. Uh, So you want to see the offense get back there. You want to see the defense kind of bounce back from last week's performance where they surrendered not 31 points, but 24 points because the pick six over on the opposite side, right? That wasn't really on the defense there. but the defense giving up those big catch and runs, one late in the game against Christian Kirk, um, 17 points off the first, you know, first half, all of that. So kind of allowing Jacksonville off to a false start or, 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 or fast start. Um, you're looking for the Saints defense to bounce back a little bit here this week, too. And then, of course, the special teams game, right? These kickers, uh, Blake Groupie missing several field goals already so far this season. Lou Headley, one of the reasons why the Saints moved off of Blake Gillikin this offseason was because of not particularly that he had a bad leg or that he was specifically because he was shanking punts or anything like that, but it was because he was shanking punts at the worst possible time, like the most pivotal moments. And you think back to the Cincinnati Bengals game last year, the the Saints have an opportunity to pin Cincinnati back late, late in the game. And instead he shanks a punt off to the side. And then it's a one play catch and run touchdown for Jamar Chase. This year, you go back to just last week, Thursday night football against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Got an opportunity to pin the Jacksonville Jaguars back a little bit. And instead, you shank the punt. And then it's a big catch and run by Christian Kirk. It was literally the same thing. And so that's what you're now seeing from Lou Headley, too. And so for the Saints, the reason why they ditched Blake Gillikin was lack of being able to perform in crunch time. And so far, we've seen a lack of ability to be able to perform at the most important time for Lou Headley too. And we've seen some of these, you know, shanked punts early on and things like that too. So every uh, phase of the game needs an improvement, right? Where was the pass rush on Thursday against the Jacksonville Jaguars? You got to get pressure on Hunter Renfro, or Hunter Renfro, on uh, Gardner Minshew. What is wrong with me? Uh, on Gardner Minshew. And if you can get pressure with your front four for your dropping eight back in coverage, you can force Gardner Minshew to throw them turnover worthy passes that he is apt to throw through four of them last week against the Cleveland Browns. 
And if you've got eight back in coverage, you have an opportunity to be able to take advantage of those and turn those turnover worthy passes into turned over passes. And so that's what you're looking for from the New Orleans Saints. You want to see the improvement. Um, you want to see the continuity. You want to see the communication get better. And then you want to see it all over again. It's not just against Indianapolis. Then you want to see it against Chicago. Then you want to see it against Minnesota. Then you want to see them take a week off and come back and show you again against Atlanta. It's imperative. This game against the Indianapolis Colts starts a very, very important stretch and really makes it so that the Saints season hangs in the balance off of this game and the two games that follow. Coming up next, will simplifying the New Orleans Saints offense help the offense or will it end up harming the offense by taking a lot of plays out of the playbook? We'll debate that. And we're also going to be taking a look as well at no staff changes and what that means for the New Orleans Saints and what it means, more importantly, for the futures of Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael. Got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NFL, our official sports betting partner here in the Locked on Podcast Network, and of course, America's number one sportsbook. Let's take a look at what FanDuel says about this weekend's game between the New Orleans Saints and the Indianapolis Colts. Saints right now favored minus one. That's it. It's a one point spread. So basically either the Saints are going to win or they're going to lose, right? So which one are you on the side of? And you of course get the over under at 43 and a half points as well. I'm taking the under on this one. I don't expect a lot of points in this game, but it's going to be a fun one to watch for sure. Uh, so you want to get in on any of that, you want to go and check it out and much more because FanDuel has so, so much for you or, or to offer you. Uh, right now, new customers are going to be able to get a $200 amount in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. The $200 in bonus bets, win or lose, no matter what, go and check them out today. FanDuel.com slash locked on, kick off the NFL season and keep it all rolling. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked On Saints. Thank you to all the everydayers out there. Make it Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. So does simplifying the New Orleans Saints offense actually look like it's going to help them? That's what we're going to be looking at here as we continue on with today's episode. We're taking this one from the Thursday evening live show and in the Friday morning show, if you want to go and check out the rest of the details on this one. But I'm going to give you a little bit of... um. A little bit of the kind of the Cliff Notes version here, uh, but make sure you walk away with the information that you need getting you ready for Sunday's game. So what does simplifying an offense mean? Does it mean that you're taking concepts out of the playbook? Does it mean that you're slimming down what you're asking the offense to do? Not necessarily. Really what it is that you're doing is that you're getting to the plays that are the core of your identity, which is going to be tough for the New Orleans Saints because right now it doesn't feel like the offense for the second year in a row has an identity, right? This is the second year now to where we've gone, like, what is this team trying to be on offense? And really, the only thing we can take away so far is that they're trying to be an offense that attacks the perimeter, and it ain't working. So something's got to change there. Uh, but who are they really? And when they figure that out, then you get to the core of your playbook, right? What are the plays that best represent and best allow a team to be able to do the thing that they have built their team to do? So think about it this way. You go to a restaurant, I'm going to give a different example. I'm going to give a restaurant example, but a different example than the one that I gave earlier this week. You go to a restaurant, they've got 25 entrees in the restaurant. You're kind of like, wait a minute, hold on now. You're doing all this. You can't be doing all of this well. Too much. So instead, narrow your list of entrees. Narrow your list of entrees all the way down. Give me your five best entrees. Give me your seven best entrees. 
Don't give me 25 entrees. Don't make me pick from all that. I'm not going to remember what I ordered because I'm going to be too busy looking at all this. You know what I'm saying? And I don't believe you can do all of this well. This is too much. Call it down. Give me your list, the list of your best. And that's what you're looking for the New Orleans Saints to do. Now, does that mean that the New Orleans Saints should walk into a game with seven plays? No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that they should walk into a, uh, walk into a game to where situationally, there are a handful of plays in each situation that they like. First and 10 from the 25 might be different than first and 10 in the red zone, right? But you might have a list of, let's call it five to 10 plays that you like first and 10 in the red zone. But then you might have a list of seven to 14 plays that you like on second and short in the red zone, second and three, second and one, right? Taysom Hill package comes in, all of that. And then you might also have some overlap in those things. There's a play that you might like first and 10 on the 25 that you also like first and goal in the red zone. That's all that I mean, is that you kind of call to your, the plays that you know best and the plays that you can best execute in certain game situations. This also helps to eliminate confusion. And we've seen a lot of confusion for this New Orleans Saints offense so far, whether it's routes not being run properly uh, or routes being run to one area of the field and the quarterback believing that the route should be going to the other area of the field. We've seen that with Rashid Jaheed. We saw that with Alvin Kamara. There was a situation where Alvin Kamara, and he basically just said, no, I just, I ran the wrong route and everything. So to eliminate some of that confusion, you can narrow down the focus to be able to pick your best entrees, do the things that make you great, and put your players, therefore, as a play caller, in position to be successful, which is something that we know the Saints have not done well. De- De- uh, Pete Carmichael all but admitted it this week when he said, yeah, Jimmy Graham's built into a lot of our red zone stuff as a pass catcher. I just haven't been calling those plays. Okay, there's your problem. If anybody is an old classic Mythbusters fan, there's your problem. Um, if you ain't calling the plays, you can't run the plays. You're not going to score touchdowns with them plays because you ain't calling them. So call them. Put your players in the best position to be successful. And I think that simplifying the offense, not from, a fa- not from the fact that you're rolling things back, but that you're just narrowing your game plan to the plays and the situation and, and the situations that they apply to, to be more effective. I don't know if the Saints are still doing this. I'll have to ask. Um, but you know, Drew Brees used to kind of do the, the they call, I think they called them the dot meetings. Um, uh, it was in, in, in the Peyton and Brees book right here by Jeff Duncan, um, where they talked about coming together on like Friday, Saturday, whatever, and kind of going through, Hey, you know, Drew would say, Hey, Sean, I really like these plays this week going up against that defense with our group of guys that we know are going to be on the field, right? Injury reports already settled, all that stuff. Um, feel really good about this list of plays. And those were a heavy focus going into the game. Things like that. I don't know if that's still happening with Derek Carr. I don't know if Derek Carr and Pete Carmichael are having those types of meetings. They're probably having those conversations throughout the week, but I don't know if they're having those meetings. So maybe that's a part of the conversation and part of the communication that gets cleared up or got cleared up this week to where you're having those types of conversations. You're having those types of meetings, perhaps. But even still, if you're not necessarily having those meetings, are you aware as a play caller of the plays that your quarterback really likes? Are you as a quarterback aware of the plays that your pass rusher, pass rushers, uh, uh, pass catchers really like going up against a defense that might be smaller than they are, going up against a defense that might be slower than they are, that might be less agile than they are, right? Whatever the matchup is, can you do that? And can you find ways to create the mismatches, which we haven't seen a lot of? 
So those are all things that I think are going to be beneficial for the New Orleans Saints if they get them right, right? Like it's one thing to say, okay, yeah, we're going to do it. It's another thing to actually go out there and do it. We talked about that before too, right? Words less than actions. Want to see the actions, want to see the improvement. So while the Saints are looking at implementing new things, according to Dennis Allen, and simplifying the offense, according to Pete Carmichael, uh, they're not making any changes when it comes to staff and responsibilities. So this is going back to Wednesday's episode, just before the crossover Thursday with Jake Arthur and I of Locked on Colts. Um, Dennis Allen effectively saying, I'm paraphrasing, there aren't any outside hires out there that would really be able to come in and help the organization get better. And I agree, there are not those. Are there internal options? that might help you get a little bit better with a fresh perspective? I would argue so. Ronald Curry, give him an opportunity, but the Saints are not going that route. They've decided that they're not going to do that. So no changes at play caller, and then obviously no outside person coming in to help either. Good to know though. Good to know. I don't think any of us expected them to go and bring anybody from the outside, but hey, good to get the confirmation there. Um, This to me, wasn't a massive surprise, but it felt like if the Saints were going to do it, it was going to be during this mini buy, or it could be during the bye week in three weeks, but it might be too late by then. So what this means is that Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael are effectively putting all of their eggs in this season's basket. I think the Saints will have a new offensive coordinator in 2024. I just simply do. Um, they have a quarterback that they can sell now, as in not literally sell. They have a quarterback that they can say, hey, come and work with Derek Carr. Derek Carr is very respected in the NFL, all of that. Um, they've got, you know, Chris Olave, they've got, there's no pending suspension for X amount of games that nobody really knew. Everybody assumed at least six games for Alvin Kamara. That's now out of the way. Going into 2024, you'll have that. Michael Thomas, I feel like could be back in 2024. So that would be good. So I, that's, that's the thing that I look at is like the Saints could attract a new offensive coordinator in a way that they could not attract an offensive coordinator last offseason when they had no quarterback, nobody knew what was going on with Michael Thomas. Nobody knew what to expect, except that it was going to be at least a six-game suspension at that time for Alvin Kamara. Like There were all of these different question marks that had lined up, and the Saints just did not have the firepower on their team or on their sales pitch to be able to compete with teams like the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson and the Los Angeles Chargers, for example, with Justin Herbert, who were also looking for offensive coordinators. You're not going to compete with those guys when you don't even know who your quarterback is at that time last season. This season, this offseason, you can do that. But the big thing to also watch is what happens with Dennis Allen. If the Saints, if it all falls off the rails for the rest of the season and you end up with a top 10 draft pick, there's another thing that can attract an offensive coordinator and potentially attract a head coach too. Do you go that route? So for me, I'm looking at Dennis Allen. I'm looking at Pete Carmichael and I'm saying that they're not necessarily, I think, I think Pete Carmichael's hot seat or seat is hotter than Dennis Allen's. Uh, but I do think that it, the, the next 10 games, Things can get very hot for both of these guys, and they are putting a lot of weight in that decision into the rest of this season by not making any changes, especially when it comes to play calling. Coming up next, finger pointing, it's not going to help. It's not going to help. Um, the Saints have got to look at themselves in the mirror as a whole and figure out how to get things done. We're going to be discussing that as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends at PrizePix. PrizePix is daily fantasy sports made easy, whether it's the NFL, NBA, MLB, looking at the World Series, maybe maybe a little bit of boxing, some UFC, some golf, whatever it is that you're looking for, they have you covered over at PrizePix. What is PrizePix? It is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in 
North America, and they are awesome. You're not playing against a bunch of faceless lineups or anything like that. It's you versus the house, you and your knowledge of your favorite sport up against the stat projections provided by Prize Picks. All you have to do is pick more or less on those stat projections, and if you get those right, you can win up to 25 times your entry by picking two to six players. It is that simple, and it is awesome. Super, super fun. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL today. Use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. The first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Promo code all lowercase locked on NFL. Today's episode of Locked on Saints also brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. Uh, if you caught the live show last night, Friday night, uh, you saw me recovering from my food coma after using DoorDash to order Trill Cheese Sticks. It was amazing. So good came in, ready to do the show, felt nourished, ready to go. Boom, screwed up the intro because I was still thinking about that cheesecake. So thank you, DoorDash, for making that possible for me, bringing the comedy to the listeners and bringing the the, the happiness to my belly. Let me bring some happiness to you as well. Let me help you get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first DoorDash order. All you gotta do is download the DoorDash app and enter the code LOCKED 23, L-O-C-K-E-D, 2-3, like Mike, subject to change, terms apply. That is 50% off, up to $10 in value when you spend $15 or more on your first purchase with the DoorDash app just by entering the code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms apply. Let's get it, Huda Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints. Look at Getting on the same page, which is kind of paramount for this New Orleans Saints team this weekend. Doesn't it feel that way? Appreciate all you everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. So let's take a look at this. So uh, this goes back to our Monday episode, the very, very first um, uh, day of the week. That's how weeks work. But our very, very first show of the week outside of the um, outside of the postcast. And and one of the things that we looked at was like the finger pointing thing, right? That finger pointing wasn't going to help and that the New Orleans Saints as a whole needed to look at themselves in the mirror as a group and say, we got to be better, right? And raise the standard, do all of those things. So being able to get back on the same page is what's going to help them do that. Derek Carr, Chris Olave, they sound like they spent a little bit of time this week talking, doing the FaceTime calls, all that stuff, um, and making sure that they're kind of on the same page. Derek Carr said that they had a really good week of practices. We didn't get to talk to Chris Olave this week, not surprising considering like the the arrest and stuff of like that, you usually want some distance before you start doing any of the, the the media stuff there. And I don't know like how that whole like legal process is going and 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 if you can't talk, all those stuff. Like there's so many complicating factors to that. It's like whatever. Like take the time. It's all good. Uh but hearing from Derek Carr was good to be able to hear that they were having those conversations and 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 things like that. And I've seen a lot of people raise questions about that, right? Did they really have those conversations? Did the conversation really go that way? Like there's no reason for Derek Carr to lie about this. And it, it's weird that there's like a question about whether or not he lied about it. But like, that's just the the lack of trust in the fan base right now. Like the fan base does not trust the New Orleans Saints at the moment, or there is at least a core amount of the fan base that doesn't trust the New Orleans Saints at the moment. And and that's that's fine. Like, it, it's a little bit of a like, we're going to sit back and wait and see how it goes kind of a thing. And and that's that's fine. It's a choice. It's a choice. Not a choice that I would make, but it's a choice. Uh, so I, I look at where the Saints most need to get on the same page, and it really comes down to obviously the offense, but quarterback to pass catcher in particular. And I don't just mean Chris Olave. And I know that Chris Olave has been the target of a ton of scrutiny when it comes to like route running and all these other things. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. 
But, you know, we've also seen Derek Carr and Rashid Shaheed misconnect on uh, or, or have a disconnect on, you know, expected route run. Uh, same thing with Alvin Kamara. There was one of those, I think it was last week, maybe the week before. So we're seeing kind of like these things with just about any of the skill position players for Derek Carr. So really it's from Derek Carr to these other guys. So can you get that fixed? And that doesn't mean that it's all Derek Carr's fault. It doesn't mean that it's all the other guy's fault and everything like that. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. And that, that's really one of the points that I want to look at here. It, it doesn't matter whose fault any of this is. What matters is what's the solution moving forward. And so when you're dealing with like conflict resolution and stuff like that, hi, I'm, I'm also a manager. Um, one of the things that you try to do is that when two people are arguing, right, or, or there is conflict between two people, you try to take those two people and make them not a part of the conflict. So the conflict is its own situation. It's not about the people. The people themselves are not the bad thing. The situation that they're dealing with is. So you take those two people, you remove them from the conflict and say, how do you become the problem solvers for this conflict? And that, that's conflict resolution. And I think that's what the New Orleans Saints need. The New Orleans Saints need to not point the fingers at individual people. That could mean in press conferences, that could mean in conference calls, that could mean on the field, whatever it is. They need to not be pointing fingers at themselves and sort of creating like this guise of sort of like infighting uh, and instead single out the situation, the offense is bad, and discuss why figure out why, and make everybody a part of the solution. So that's what you're hoping to do is bring everyone together in that way so that you can end up finding a way to the solution. So finger pointing is not going to help. It doesn't matter who's to blame. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. What it matters is that anybody that could potentially be at fault, can they now potentially be the solution? And that's what you're looking for going forward. The other thing that I'll mention too is that like when it comes to what's wrong with the offense, it's a lot. There's a lot of things that are a problem for the New Orleans Saints offense, and they've got to get it fixed as opposed to fixating on one individual thing. Try to address all of it and get it all fixed. That's what you're hoping that you're going to start to see against the Indianapolis Colts. And I caution, I'll say it again, if you see it against the Indianapolis Colts, let's wait and see if they can maintain it, if they can maintain the consistency. Because over the past year and a half, the New Orleans Saints have not proven that they can maintain consistency, right? Win a game, lose two games. Win a game, lose two games. That's what we've seen. Will that end up being the case? Or are we going to see that three-game win streak that they almost turned into a four-game win streak to finish the season last year. Can we see that now in the middle of the year where it's most important? Lastly, we're taking a look at our Friday live show. And this one was one of those questions that I was like, uh, do I want to talk about this? Do I not want to talk about this? Stuff like that, because I didn't want to make it look like we we're already kind of turning the page on the New Orleans Saints of 2023 rip, and then we're on to like the draft or anything like that. But it is an interesting conversation. It's an interesting question. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at things with the trade deadline, like should New Orleans Saints be buyers or sellers? We're going to look through all that, but I, I, I'm curious about this question. I'm curious about your thoughts on it as well, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Should the New Orleans Saints be interested or prepping for the potential of taking a quarterback in the first or second round of the 2024 NFL draft? I say yes. And I say yes, no matter what. Doesn't matter if Derek Carr performs incredibly well throughout the rest of the season, if the Saints offense performs incredibly well throughout the rest of the season. If Derek Carr performs incredibly well throughout the rest of the season, all the better. All the more reason to go after a rookie quarterback as far as I'm concerned. Because what you don't want to do, and this has nothing to do with Derek Carr. This is not a slight at Derek Carr or anything like that. I'd love to see Derek Carr pan out. I really would. I, I like seeing a veteran quarterback go from a place where he was. I like the story. I like seeing a veteran quarterback go from a place where he felt like he was given up on, go somewhere where he felt like they really wanted him, and succeed. 
I wanted to see Aaron Rodgers succeed with the New York Jets. I wanted to see Teddy Bridgewater succeed with the New Orleans Saints. I wanted to see Teddy Bridgewater succeed with the uh, with the Carolina Panthers. You know, I I like that. I like that storyline. That's a cool storyline. And so I that's what I want to see for Derek Carr. And if we don't see it, then we don't see it. But that's what I would like to see. But even if we did see it, I still think that investing in rookie quarterbacks until you find a long-term starter on a rookie contract is a good idea. Keep going after quarterbacks. We went after Jake Hayner last year. Go after another one this year. If that quarterback doesn't pan out immediately, go after another one the next year. I don't care. I don't care. And this quarterback class this year, so good. So good. Would blow the 2022 class of the you know uh, Malik Willis's and the 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 Kenny Pickett's and the Desmond Ritters would blow it out of the water. Blow it out of the water easily. Easily would have left those guys in the dust if they were in the same draft class. And thankfully for Kenny Pickett, he wasn't. So he gets he gets to be a first round pick. Good for him. So for me, the reason why I like the idea of going after the rookie quarterback is that you can't expect more than one more contract with Derek Carr. You can barely expect a four-year contract to actually be a four-year contract in the NFL. More likely, a four-year contract is a two-year or a three-year deal, depending upon the structure. Saints have an easy off-ramp after the second year. They have an easier off-ramp after the third year. They still have a possible off-ramp after this year if they wanted to eat the dead money. And having a quarterback on a rookie contract allows you to do that. Now, I'm not advocating for that. I think that would be a waste of resources. I think you try to make it work with Derek Carr next week, next year as well. And so I like the idea of going after the rookie quarterback because you want the rookie contract for a starter if you can get that player within their rookie deal, right? Because then that allows you to recoup some of the cap money that allows you to not spend a bunch of money on the most important position and the most expensive position in the NFL. You know, you think about Derek Carr right now, $37.5 million per year, which is like a middle of the road quarterback contract at this point, right? That's just outside the top 10 in terms of quarterback contracts. And that number is going to keep going down and down and down as newer players or younger players continue to get their deals. So it allows you to be able to not have sort of the swollen quarterback contract whenever Derek Carr's contract is done and assuming that Derek Carr doesn't resign with the New Orleans Saints. If they like the rookie quarterback or the young quarterback that's on a rookie deal that they have, boom, you recoup some of your cap money that way. And then you can get to continue to build around the team, which is massive. The other thing too, is that you don't want to get stuck in another Breeze situation. Not that there was anything wrong with Drew Breeze, but the preparation post Drew Breeze it wasn't there. Like there was no secession plan after Drew Brees when he retired because the Saints didn't really invest in the draft when it came to rookie quarterbacks or when it came to quarterbacks. In fact, they had a really bad track record and it continued through Ian Book. They had a bad, they have a bad track record of developing young quarterbacks. Now, Jake Hayner's got a lot of exciting things, but he's a Dennis Allen guy. If Dennis Allen's not back next year, he might not be in the plans or future plans of the next head coach. Nothing that Jake can do about that. You know what I mean? Like, doesn't matter. And so if you're, if you get the opportunity to like get a guy that can be your secession plan post Derek Carr, get the guy that can be your secession plan post Derek Carr so that you're not doing the free agency hunt, right? At the very last moment and everything. The, the Jameis Winston, the, the Teddy Bridgewater, the, you know, going after Jimmy Garoppolo or if they wouldn't have been able to get Derek Carr, going after Deshaun Watson, like don't do all that. Have the rookie quarterback that you love and that can be a long-term starter for you on a rookie deal, already ready to go. And I do think that that's important for this New Orleans Saints team. All right, next time that I will see you will be after the game against the Indianapolis Colts. We'll be live uh, after the game from the floor of Lucas Oil Stadium. It'll be my first time at that stadium, so I'm really, really looking forward to it. If you're there and you see me, always let me know. Say hello. 
Uh, and I appreciate you very much for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day, for making this a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me on the show. As always, if you see me, please say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on your favorite social media, Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation. I'll holla at you.